This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. girls welcome back to another episode of talking halos i am your host today jared timms and i am joined alongside my co-host my partner in crime i'm only saying that because he liked it the last time i said it nate green how you doing i'm, I'm doing good my college basketball team got into the uh, tournament today so it's a good day who's that grand canyon university no syracuse oh, oh yeah. right in the bandwagon i see ah uh, bandwagon i've been a syracuse fan since i was born <laughs> all right well i figured i'd start off with this Fun little question, since Dylan Bundy pitched yesterday. How good is he going to be this year? He looked absolutely amazing, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, I, I think he'll have an all-star season. I, I think he finishes – I don't. I know we don't really care about the wins and losses, but I, I think he finishes with about a 3-1, 3-2 ERA and throws about 185 to 195 innings. I'm not against that. I know there's some that don't like him all that much this year, not – they, they think it might be a little bit of a regression that he was built for a 60-game year, and it is what it is, but I, I'm, I'm with that, dude. He looked really good today against a, a decently good Cubs offense, too. I mean, nothing to nothing to frown upon there. There's still there's still a very good offense there in Chicago, and, you know, he looked good. The changeup looked good. The curveball he's, he's thrown a lot of, he's dialed back the fastball a little bit, which is a good thing, and, of course, he's got one of the best sliders in baseball, so... I mean, all he has to do is continue doing that and putting about the ball. He, he only had two strikeouts today, so I don't think he's going to strike out a whole lot of guys. But I think that the swing and miss stuff is definitely there. And if he was working on the same thing that Otani was working on, which was throw a lot more off speed, and I think that's kind of what we saw today if anybody watched, it could be an interesting year for, for Bundy. I mean, I know that everybody was high on him last year coming over to Anaheim and getting out of Baltimore is a big thing. And we're kind of comparing it to Alex Cobb in a sense, and it'll be interesting to see what Cobb does. But, yeah, I think Bundy has basically put a mark on the opening day starter, correct? I, I don't think it's going to be anybody else. I don't think so either. I think it's his job to lose. Yeah, not that not that it really matters by any degree. I mean, the Angels also started Ricky Nolasco on opening day, and I know that <laughs> that's... It, it's whatever it is. It is what it is. Like that's my saying lately. It, it is what it is. But yeah, I think opening day starters are kind of overhyped in a sense. Over, I don't know. I mean, what is your take on an opening day starter? I guess we'll kind of jump jump into this question. Random question. What's your take on an opening day starter? Have you ever thought about that? I, I like having a an actual opening day starter that you can just pencil in. I mean, the Dodgers have a a fun problem to have where they 
don't know which one of their aces they can use. But, you know, having a guy where it's like Chris Sale, where it's like, yeah, we know he's the ace and things like that. I think those guys, it's important to be the guy who pitches the first game of the season. Not really that important, but I think it is important to have a guy where you don't really have any question marks. You just write his name down and you know he's going to be the, he's going to be the guy. Yeah, and Jared Weaver was that guy for a while. I know Irvin Santana was always in the mix. Dan Heron was around for a while, and the Angels had a lot of those guys. But, you know, it just has kind of gone away from that. The Angels haven't had a whole lot of pitching, and it's nice to have that guy right now. And Dylan Bundy, I know that a lot of people were hoping it was going to be Shohei Otani down the road, and I think it will be eventually, barring any crazy free agent or trade additions this offseason, but I do believe that it'll be Otani down the road. If I had to guess for 2022, I think it'd be Otani or whoever else the Angels decide to go and pick up. So guys, as always, a fun and I think that we have a very interesting show planned for today. Me and Nate have a bone to pick. I'll tell you guys that right now. But guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, giving us the support needed to continue to make this podcast one of the best angels podcasts out there we've been getting a lot of people complimenting our podcast and it's it's you know a lot of hard work that we've been putting in and i just want to say thank you to everybody for listening to that if you could go ahead and pause this real quick i'll give you a second to pause it and go follow us on instagram facebook and twitter also subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it and leave us a review if you think we deserve a five-star review do that real quick and as Always give us one second to pay the bills. Hey, everyone. Before we start, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast for Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, personalized, Q&As of Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and you name all the other ones. You got them. Okay? The best part is you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. So, Nate, before we get to picking the bone that we want to pick, because we have a major bone to pick today, we do, and we've been talking about this for the past couple days. Stuff came out a while last week about minor league rule changes, and we'll get into that in a second. I want to I start off with some actual Angels baseball news, some good news. The Angels have replaced uh, a very hard person to replace in Victor Rojas, and I think that they made a very good choice in Matt Vaskersian. I know that I think as a younger kid listening to him, I we weren't all that big of fans, but now I, I really like this move. I think it was the next best move behind Victor Rojas. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I absolutely love listening to him. He's got some really cool different quotes that he uses and things like that. So it's going to be fun to hear what, what he comes up with, whether it's a Shohei Otani home run, a Mike Trout home run, or, or whatever it is. But it's going to be really fun to hear him. Uh, I've had MLB the show since forever, so just hearing his voice on that has been awesome. And now that I get to hear him for every Angel game, it's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, I'm super excited. Like I said, next best choice behind Victor Rojas. Victor Rojas and, and Mark Gubiza were the best 
I, I, I don't think there's any arguments really about it. I mean, maybe here and there you can argue it, but I think Victor and Gooby are probably the best one-two punch in announcers in baseball. They were the best. And it's tough to see Victor go, but he's moved on to a bigger and better thing, and he's doing great things with the, I believe it's the Frisco Rough Riders, but I'm excited to see Vaskersian, and the Angels also have added Darren Sutton as well. I believe it's son of Don Sutton who pitched for the Angels as well. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it so, is. So I'm, I'm excited to hear all these new voices. I know Jose Moda is going to join Gooby and Vaskersian in the booth as well. And, you know, I'm excited to listen this year. Like, not that I'm not never excited, you know, but it'll be kind of different and kind of, you know, a lot of fun. I mean, like I said, the best you, – you can't replace the best duo in baseball. And I don't know, can you think of anybody better than that in baseball during this time period? I know Vince Goley was around, but we saw him at the end of his career. And Vince Goley's probably the best announcer of all time. I mean, was there anybody – can you think of anybody better? The only other announcer that I really liked, but he was a huge homer, that's the one thing that I liked about the Angels announcers, is they're pretty fair. I mean, you know who they're rooting for, but they're not Hawk Harrelson. But uh, the Hawk is always really, really fun for me to listen to. I loved listening to him growing up. I, I love what he had to say, all the stories. I think I, I think as you get older as an announcer, you get better because you have the stories to tell. You know, the younger announcers aren't usually all that fun and you have to kind of work your way I guess that's kind of how it is anywhere you know the younger you are I guess necessarily the not the better you are but you know I don't know what I'm saying right now I'm just excited for I'm just excited to, for Angels baseball to be back and I'm excited to get onto this I guess bone picking topic that we have here Nate do you want to start off with any words of you know I, I guess warning signs before we get into this I, I don't know how do we want to start this I'm just I'm thinking about just going from AAA down to single A on these new rule changes that have been made, and we're just going to kind of go over them and pick a bone about it. I, I, we were kind of hoping that we would have Brock here for this one to kind of maybe even it out a little bit, and personally, I'm not against all these rules. I'm not for all these rules, but I think there's a time and a place for it, and it's not time and a place to do this right now. So, Nate, do you have any opening words here? Uh, I would just say that this is actually going to be very important. You guys might think minor league rules, who cares? But I think that uh, with the CBA coming up at the end of the year, if some of these things get thrown around, it could be a long, long off season. So um, I think it's very important to kind of see what um, upper management wants to do with the game. Yeah, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit. I know me and Nate off the record have talked about these and we've not been happy about them. I'll tell you that straight up right now. But I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit here and try to play both sides of these arguments because I see the upsides and I see the downsides to these. And I think Nate does as well. But, yeah, you bring up an excellent point. With the CBA coming up, a lot of these rules could actually be coming into effect in 2022, if not 2023 or beyond that. And they could really hurt Major League Baseball when it's all said and done. I know there's been little things brought up here and there. The Universal DH, I know we're not a huge fan of, I don't think. Are you a huge fan of the Universal DH? No. Okay. Not a huge fan of the Universal DH, and and it is what it is. I I just think that we are traditionalists when it comes to that type of thing, and I'm fine with uh, pitchers hitting and all the other rules that were made, but let's just get onto these rules and see what we have to say about them. So in AAA, and I'm quoting this off of Baseball America's Instagram post about it, 
the sizes of bases will increase from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. We are okay with that part of the rule, correct? Yeah, I'm not really thinking this is a big deal. Not a big deal with the first sentence. This is where I think we have a huge issue with this. By doing so, MLB expects the slightly shorter distance between bases will lead to a higher success rate of stolen bases as well as more infield hits on grounders and bunts. Nate Green, take it away. I just think that's a comical sentence right there because nobody steals bases in the MLB and nobody bunts. It's a shame that it's not an MLB rule this year because I think Joe would have really, really uh, exploited this rule right away. He would have stole, he probably would have stole the most in Major League Baseball if he could with his roster, and he probably would have bunted some teams to death. So kind of a shame this rule isn't a Major League rule because of the style and the manager we have, but I mean, you're really trying to create a rule for the less than 1% because teams aren't bunting anymore and teams aren't stealing. I I personally would love to see more bunting and more stealing, but it just doesn't happen. And I don't think that making the bases a little bigger and making the base pass a little bit smaller are going to increase that. Like, people are still going to run the numbers and say, based on the numbers, you know, we shouldn't steal, we shouldn't bunt, we're going to give up an out if we do this. So I don't think it's very – I don't think the reasoning behind that is is right. I like the other reasoning where they said that it's going to make sure there's not as many injuries. I think that's honestly the only reason to do this. Yeah, and for those who watch softball, I kind of like it, to be honest. I'm not – there are a lot of collisions at first base that hurt. Like, I mean, we've seen it in the past. We've seen it in normal baseball. And I'm okay, I think, with putting a extended base, in a sense, at first base. I'm okay with that. Wouldn't we say that, Nate? Yeah, not a bad idea. I mean, that's that's kind of a big issue for first baseman. Broken forearm waiting to happen. I mean, Pujols actually has had that injury in the past mm-hmm. when he was with St. Louis. So keeping guys healthy and injury-free on that is not not a big deal, actually. It's kind of a good idea. Yeah, I, I'm all for putting it at first base, but when we say we're going to change a rule completely like this and increase, try to increase something, which is stolen bases and bunting, I think we have a bit of an issue with that because that's when history gets changed. And I don't think you can change history at all. You know, you, that means that you are going to start putting asterisks on stolen base titles if somebody gets that because we're not seeing that at the moment. I don't know if we ever will because who is it? Ricky Henderson that has it? I don't think yeah. anybody breaks Ricky Henderson's record, especially with the way baseball is going. And I don't think that unless the philosophy changes, I don't think that we see more bunting or more stolen bases ever. I think that there will be a chain, a, a flip-flop in philosophy. I think we see a decrease in p- pitching velocity. I think we see a decrease in, or an increase in bunting and an increase in stealing eventually. But I think that's down the road, maybe five, ten years from now, for those who are trying to get ahead of the game. And I think that's a totally different, you know, I think you're going back to old school thinking in a way, and I think that's kind of what the Angels are trying to do. So, I don't know. I guess we're not upset really about this rule. I think it's more of a why, why this rule. That's kind of, it's stupid in our opinion which is not a good thing to say, but I don't think we, – we disagree with this rule. We would hate to see this get put into baseball because we think it changes baseball quite dramatically. So on to A, and this is what Baseball America has to say with it. Efforts will be made to limit the ways 
teams can position their infielders. Are we okay with that? No. We like the shift, correct? I, I do. I mean, if if you are a professional hitter, you should be able to hit to all fields. I know it's hard. Some of these guys throw really hard, and but they're not really hitting spots, let's be honest. Like, we even talked about this with Otani a, uh, a couple days ago. His command was good, but he, he wasn't really hitting his spots. So um, if you can't hit the ball the other way, then you don't deserve a hit. I mean, yeah, they're taking away – they're taking away a hit from you. It's part of the strategy of the game. Get better. Hit something the other way. Bunt something the other way. Make them make it. Make a change. Exactly. So Baseball America goes on to say all defensive teams at the level must have at least four players on the infield dirt. I I added in dirt there, but I'm assuming infield is dirt, which is defined as having both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. So yeah, exactly what I said there. If the result of this rule change are deemed positive in the first half, the league may, in the second half, require teams to have at least two players on either side of the base. Ah. I think sports stops are going to be the most frustrated with that rule. Yeah, I mean, I'm... So I'm okay with the second part of the rule. I'm okay with doing that if you're trying to get rid of shifting. Yeah. I'm okay with that because you can still shift in a sense. How I mean, I guess you see it in the pros a lot more, but how often do you really see – that's a stupid question because I've been doing more, more college stuff now. So I don't think I see too many things happen in college, whereas in the pros you see basically four outfielders. <laughs> the second baseman moves all the way back to right field. The right fielder will play almost at the wall, and it's very hard to get a ball in there. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much. So I think I'm okay with the second half of that. Because you can still shift to a degree. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that... I think that you should be able to play wherever you want in the infield. Because there are ways to get around it. You you brought up an ex- excellent point. There are very good ways to get around the shift. And that's hitting the ball the other way. And that's bunting. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit here with you, Nate. How hard is it to hit a major league fastball? Oh, it's extremely hard. But um, I could bunt a major league fastball. I've seen you bunt, and no offense. That was the one thing I could do. That's fair. I think you would have been a little late with your swing, though, as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I could <laughs> hit a major league fastball if I wanted to. But um, that's just something that's not taught anymore is how to bunt. I mean, I think we even talked about this off the record. Do you see many people bunting before, um, like, first round of BP? Nope. I actually mentioned this at our practice that I had not too long ago. I said – you know, we don't see too many teams bunting before on that first round of BP anymore. And I don't see why coaches can get mad about it. You know, like you, you see college coaches get mad about, or even pro coaches get mad about not getting the bunt down. It's like, hell, you're not you're not practicing bunting anymore during practice. What's the point of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I think if, it's one of those things where it can be taught. It's not like something that's impossible to bunt the baseball. So if they spend a little bit of time bunting the baseball, I think – that it would not be the end of the world. They would be able to beat some more shifts. And, I mean, heck, Big Poppy was able to get bunts down. So if he can get bunts down for hits, then I'm sure anyone can. Yeah, and like you said, I could go out and bunt a ball. doesn't mean I can get to first, but I could definitely go out and bunt a 95-mile-an-hour fastball with a little bit of movement on it or a curveball. I, I could guarantee I could. I, I, I really could. If I practiced it enough, I could go and I could go and bunt for sure. So on to our next rule, which is in high A, 
And that, I think this is where we start getting upset about stuff, right, Nate? This is my, this is my least favorite. Yeah, this is, this is where we start getting a little bit upset about rules. And in high A, pitchers will be required to disengage the rubber completely before throwing to any base. With this rule in play, the Atlantic League saw a significant uptick in stolen bases. Uh, well, yeah, 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 especially as a lefty having to disengage, like, that's that's tough. Because, Nate, you, we actually have two different sides here. You are a lefty, and I'm a righty. So we have two different sides of this argument as well from a pitcher's standpoint. Yeah. So, first off, controlling the running game from a left-handed perspective is a huge key. That's the whole – that is, all, like, one of the key points of having a left-handed pitcher – and being, you know, being a left-handed pitcher is the fact that you can control the run game very easily. Yeah, I, I honestly, if you look at the rules that have been put into place lately, it feels like they want to get rid of left-handed pitchers. And I know that sounds weird, but if you think about it, three batter minimum, that is a rule in the major leagues now. That was strictly to take lefties out of the bullpen, basically, because... They would have lefties come in, get their one lefty out, go to a righty. Now the now that situational lefty is basically gone for some of those guys. Um, and now you're here saying you've got to step off to pick off. Uh, what's the point in having a soft tossing lefty who's throwing 92? I might as well just go get a guy who throws 98 and throws from the right side because they're going to steal off the righty just as much as they're going to steal off the lefty. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, from a righty's perspective, disengaging is always a thing, but you're able to do that quick step, in a sense, mm-hmm. where, you know, you can be a little quicker. I, I And you can't be quicker when you have to step straight off backwards. And that's, again, we're changing rules that don't need to be changed here, guys. At all, like that. That I think that's my biggest point. That's our biggest point of this whole podcast is don't change rules that don't need to be changed because now you're just you know increasing the length of a game. Like last couple years, it's been oh we need to cut the games down. Oh we need to cut the games down, and we haven't been able to do that. So let's go ahead and change other rules to try to get fans engaged. I think that's kind of where this whole thing is: is that we could not decrease time game time lengths. So let's just roll with it and see if we can increase fans' viewing by stealing more bases, bunting more, and deadening the ball, which is, I guess, going to be a thing as well this year. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about, like, how this will be a balk as well. So if you go back to the old uh, pickoff rule and that's a balk, that that's just going to be miserable for a pitcher to put a guy in scoring position because he picked off the old way. Like, this is just ridiculous. Yep, and I think when we get to low A here, the low A rule change, I think this is when we get very, very frustrated, and that is that is, pitchers will be limited to two step-offs or pick-offs per plate appearance. If a pitcher tries a third in a plate appearance, the move will be considered a balk unless the move is successful and the runner is picked off. I, I, I mean... How many so devil's advocate here, how often do we see more than two pickoffs in a in an at bat? I mean, never three times is typically the rule uh you usually yell out and I guarantee it's it feels like every time you say that it's a third pickoff attempt. Um I, I think even 
when you're teaching pitchers, you teach them an A, boot, a move, a B move, and a C move, and they go C move first, B move, and then their A move last. Um, so you do see it a little bit, but I think this is going to make the game way longer. Like, you know, people are like, okay, less pickoffs, so game should be shorter, right? No. Pitchers are going to have to hold the ball to keep from getting guys stealing bases off them. And that's going to turn into a timeout show and a long hold show. And we can have long at-bats because guys just don't want to give up stolen bases. They don't want to put a guy in scoring position where a bloop single scores a run. Yes and no. I mean, I see, this is where I have to play devil's advocate a little bit as well. And this is why pitch clocks were instituted as well. You know, you have to you on the rubber, you have to pitch within 20 seconds. That's fine. That shouldn't be an issue for anybody. And I think we can leave it at that. I don't think that I don't know. You know, this is this is where it gets tough for me. And I know there's going to be some some pitch clock rule changes as well in the minor leagues, but I think the thing that we're frustrated most, most with all these as pitchers is they're all against pitchers, right? Yeah. They're all trying to help out hitters. And I think that leads to our point of why, first off, and second off, since you couldn't cut the game down to increase more fans, let's go ahead and try to increase offense and get rid of pitchers. And then this this tends or this stems stems to wow I can't speak English this stems to well are they going to be able to use the sticky stuff this year? There are so many byproducts of these rule changes if they get to the major league level. I don't think any I don't know how many of these rule changes are, but I I you know we can't put it past what Rob Manfred's done so far. And by the way we're talking, I think you can tell how we feel about Rob Manfred. You know, Jared, I've actually played with that that low A rule in a fall ball game in college. It was a very complicated rule. Um, base runners had to try and steal a base within the first three pitches. You could only pick off one time as a pitcher, and if you picked off a second time without the uh, without getting the guy, it was a balk, and the guy went to second. So you saw a lot of slide steps and a lot of um, guys guessing on, oh, hey, he picked off once. All right, now I just, I'm going straight when he sets because he can't pick off here. So it could become an issue where guys are just running rampant. Yeah, and you don't, you don't want that because then as a traditionalist now taking a step back, I think that that starts ruining the game. It really does. I know that the whole thing is, you know, let the kids play, let the kids have fun, but you need to stick to some kind of rule system. You can't constantly change the rules. I, I think baseball is fine as it is right now. I think maybe little things here and there needs to be need to be changed, like the collisions at home plate. We saw that get changed. The bases, maybe you know, first base can be extended to avoid injury. There, I'm okay with that. You know, there there are little things here and there, but I think for the most part, there's not too many rules that need to be changed. And for some reason, rules are having to be changed all of a sudden. And I, I don't quite understand why so on to our next rule change in low a southeast so i don't know who's involved in this but we'll get some we'll get some names for you guys select games will use the automated ball and strike system so basically the robo ump which was tested in both the atlantic league and arizona fall league in 2019 
the automatic strike zone system was supposed to be implemented in the Florida State League in 2020, but since the season got canceled because of coronavirus, it did not. Nate, how do we feel about robo-umpires? Well, even Joe Madden doesn't like it. So if Joe Madden doesn't like it, I'm all for it. Um, I'm with him on this. I do not like it. Um, I was a soft-tossing lefty who was able to get an extra strike or two because I was able to hit spots. And I think we should reward guys for hitting spots. I don't think that you should be able to go up there, throw 100 miles an hour, have the catcher set up outside, and you miss three feet inside. And I guess technically it was a strike, but it looks really bad. Um, I, I don't like that. I've also seen um, footage of 2019. There was a ball at the guy's eyes, but somehow it passed through the zone, and it was considered a strike. It's like, that's not a strike. And I, I, I could really see pitchers getting um, creative with this rule and throwing, you know, sweet uh, big breaking balls that pass through the zone of strike and end in the dirt. And you're going to get hitters who are going to lose their mind over that. Yeah, and I think you kind of have to take away the argument of, well, pitchers are going to lose that part of the zone, and hitters are going to lose that part of gain that part of the zone. I think you kind of got to get rid of that side of the argument because we see missed calls both ways, in a sense. Yeah. I think I think a good compromise for this rule would be Managers can basically throw the challenge flag at a called third strike or a walk with two strikes. I think that's a good compromise. I don't think that you know, pit or uh, coaches can umpire or coaches can umpire. Coaches can challenge every call, but I think that if it is you know a crucial call to you know maybe in the inning or within the sixth through ninth inning. And I think you should be able to challenge it, or I think that I don't. I don't know, but I think there's a way to format this so that you can challenge balls and strikes, but you can't challenge all balls and strikes because that's going to extend the game way too long, in my opinion. I would just love to see the challenges go away. Honestly, I'd love to see uh, managers actually go out there and argue things. I, I I think that brings that'll bring some fans back. I think that'll makes make things fun to see. You know, to see the old Lou Pinella run out there and get pissed off. And, you know, the umpires can still talk about it. They can still change their mind. But um, we don't need the video room open 24-7 and allowing the Astros to be able to cheat. Well, I don't think it's just the Astros. I think a lot of teams oh, I know, do but stuff. The ones that were caught. Yes, correct. And, so, like I said, I, I, I'm not against getting rid of the challenges. I think it's good. I think there's a time and place for it because I think that we've seen it a lot. And I mean, like, as I'm talking about this game, like different moments in history are going through my head. Armando Galarraga is just one of them. I think that I'm trying to remember who there's a Cardinals play at, at first base in like the NLCS the world series, Kansas City Royals and uh, Cardinals had won. This was way back in the day. Yeah. And I think he was, ruled safe, and he was out by a step, and the Cardinals went on to win the World Series because of it? Yeah, like you said, I think there's a time and place. That's what I was thinking of, by the way, was that play, because I think it was Dan Quisenberry, and I could totally be wrong, but I think it was Dan Quisenberry started arguing, more runs came around to score. That's just what I remember in my head. 
I, I don't know who exactly it was, but like I said, time and place for it, I think, for challenging. And I think that, you know, managers should be able to come out and argue. I don't think we should need to wait, put our hand out and say, hold on, our video room's looking at it. But I do want to play devil's advocate here for it as well, because I think that it's it's a good thing. You know, I do. I think that challenges aren't a horrible thing as well. Like, Not a terrible thing. No, not a terrible thing. And it just takes – I think we don't like change. I think that's what prob- people's problem is with baseball is that the traditionalists don't want change. And I think that change, in a sense, needs to be made to an extent on some of this stuff. I don't know, you know, I just, I'd love to get everybody, some other people's opinion on this. Like I said, I know I'm going to have Taylor Blake Ward on, and I know I'm going to have Brent McGuire on at some point. So I'll be able to, I'll, I'll get some different opinions on some of this stuff, but I feel like they may have the same opinion on a lot of this stuff. I don't want to speak for them, but I feel like they may have some decently good opinions on some of this stuff. And I know Nate and I have a pitcher's opinion on stuff, and we think a lot of these rules that are implemented in the minors are going against pitchers. So, Nate, do you have any final thoughts on any of these rules? I know there's a time limit that's going to be added to to the league, to, to the low A West, but I think that's, that's already been happening, so I don't, it's not really needed. No, I, I just would love to see managers actually go out and argue. I think that was that was fun to see Earl Weaver go out there and, and lose his mind over a call, see Lou Pinella, you know, um, cover home plate. And I think the video that went viral was a minor league manager getting kicked out for his shenanigans, which, I mean, if you want people to watch the game, allow for some excitement. It's not really exciting watching a, a, a guy get upset and all he does is, you know, go to his ear and that means, yeah, challenge that. And three to five minutes later, we find out he was right and they put the guy on first base. It's like, okay, I'm excited that the guy was safe, but, like, wasn't really – as exciting as watching someone go out there and and visually be upset about, hey, it's probably like a little overboard too, but you understand where I'm going with that. No, no, I, I totally agree because I think that some of the fondest memories that a lot of people have in baseball, and if you're listening to this right now, think of some of the most fond memories that you have of baseball, and that's of home runs, managers getting ejected, and brawls, <laughs> or plays or collisions at the plate. You know, I I think, and that's not like, I don't want to be, you know, hypocritical about any of that, but I think that's like some of the things that we remember the most. Like when you think about like your favorite memories, Angel Stadium, like I saw Albert Pujols' 600th home run. I saw Vlad Guerrero's, what, 400, 500th home run, 400th home run. I think we were both at that game. And we were both at Torrey Hunter's collision at the plate against Yvonne Rodriguez and the Yankees, and we know exactly where we were sitting for that game, too. And, and that game started a brawl, and that was, like, an amazing op- like amazing thing to be at. Exactly. So, like I said, nothing – I don't, I don't want to be hypocritical about these rules. I don't want to be hypocritical about the rules that have been changed. I think that a lot of rules that have been changed to make sure players don't get hurt, the quarterback rule for catchers, I think I'm fine with that. You know, I, I, it takes some time getting used to it, but I'm fine with it. I think just that, and this is going to be taken the wrong way when I say it, but I think that sometimes people are too soft. Yeah. <laughs> it's just plain simple as that. And, I mean, we might be being a little bit soft about these rules as well since we were being pitchers, and I'm probably we were probably both being hypocritical about that statement. But, you know, it is, it is what it is, and I think that, you know – you want to you want baseball to be more exciting? Juice up the balls, make the ball go really far, 
<laughs> you know, let the pitchers use let let the pitchers use the sticky stuff so that their ball moves a lot more because seeing videos of that is a lot more fun than seeing somebody strike out on a straight changeup that's 85 miles an hour and a fastball that's 92 with no movement. So let pitchers use their sticky stuff and don't worry about it. And, you know, put baseball kind of back to where it used to be in a sense. You know, let's let's get away from all the challenges. I think that there's a time and place for it. I think that if it affects the game enough, you should be able to. But I don't think that it's always needed. But I get the I get the argument going the other way as well. As you can yeah. tell, I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck in the middle with it too. I really am with some of these rules. So the Aaron Boone thing was like the most talked about thing in baseball for what two three weeks when he got kicked out and he actually let the umpire know he was pissed. <laughs> yeah, hot mics. I mean, there yeah. you go. there you go. You want you want more people to that was actually. That that was actually kind of one of my ideas down down the road is you have an R rated presentation where you know you mic up the players for us in a sense and you can listen to what the players are saying without bleeping it out at all and then you have just the normal version of of baseball. I think that would be kind of a lot of fun if you want to include a lot more fans into it. Mic mic the fans up, mic the players up, not the fans. Mic the players up and just let them have let them go at it. You know, here, let's hear what they have to say about what everything. Can we mic up the umpires, too, so when we actually do challenge a call, we don't have to guess what the uh, review process was? The Whoever the, the crew chief is can go out there and be like, hey, after a review, we saw this. Oh, okay. Instead of somebody going, I think this is what they, I don't know. It, it, it's frustrating to hear that, too, where the umpires don't say anything and, they put a guy somewhere, and you're like, "Whoa, what did you see? Like, there's no way." Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think, to some degree, that needs to happen. Whether it's go down and talk with the manager, in a sense, I don't know if that's really the right thing, and see what the umpire had to say about it. I think that'd be kind of cool. I now now we're just kind of you know blabbering on about what we would like to see, but I think a lot of what well, we're saying. If we're changing rules, we might as well change rules for for the better. Exactly. You want you want to bring in fans. You want fans to watch baseball. Make it better then, you know? Like don't make it it, it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be WWE, you know, it doesn't need to be made up. It doesn't need to be basketball where it's all made up <laughs> or anything like that, you know? But I, I definitely think that there are a lot of good things that that baseball can do and I think they're just scratching the surface. I think they can dig a little bit deeper into what they are doing. So that's my final thought in this whole thing. So guys, if you could go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, follow us on all of our social medias. It's talking halos on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tim's. You can follow Nate at Nate green 34. And as always, if you had any questions or comments, send us a message. I'm more than happy to answer it. I'm more than happy to talk with anybody who wants to talk a little bit of angels, baseball. So thank you guys again for listening and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.